God is doing some timely and powerful things in our hearts that only he can do this morning. And we are continuing our series this summer on emo- being emotionally healthy people. And this morning, we're going to be talking about a certain aspect of that. But before we do that, I, we're going to do, do a couple just reflection and discussion questions at our tables this morning, kind of in, like, probably three different times. So this first one's going to be really quick. But I want you to just think about this before we dive into the message. The question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 equals least busy, to 10 being very busy, how busy are you? All right, I heard an 11. Now how busy are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, just overall, maybe this week, but overall in your life, like how, how busy would you say you usually are. And then, maybe real quick, just tell, tell people at your table what your number is. Okay, and then after you say how busy you are, say how busy would you like to be? What's your ideal busy number? What would be your sweet spot? Okay, I'm not sure where everybody's at. I hope you had a chance to, to do that. Let me just, I'm going to ask a random table. How about this table? What was your, like, average busy level? The Elaine and Peyton, your table. You're about a seven? Seven, eight. Okay, pretty busy table. Is that pretty representative of the room? No. This was an average of three right here. Well, this is the chill table. Maybe a five. Okay, so the five. Uh, what about you guys? You seven? Yeah. Okay. What about when we ask somebody else? Uh, what about this big table over here? What was your average, like, where we want to be number? You like being sevens or eights? Yeah. Not elevens, but. I. That's what I'm wondering, but. We'll figure that out later. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, this morning we're going to talk about, you know, this, this issue. A lot, most of us, if we're asked, a lot of times when we're asked, how are we doing? Our first thing that comes to mind is, man, I'm busy. And we live in a very hurried culture. We tend to feel very busy. I know I, who I am and my personality, I tend to always feel like there's much more to be done. And if I don't do a lot, Right now and today and tomorrow, it's not going to get done, and that's going to be bad. And there's kind of an underlying lie for me behind that, 
that, that says, if I don't get a lot done, then I'm a failure. And so there can be this, this, this unhealthy pressure to feel like, oh man, always, there's always so much to do. Um, push, push, push. This perpetual feeling of being behind. There's housework, work, work, projects, emails to read, books to read. It's just the stuff that comes at us. And it's, it's ironic. When we think about it, we live in a society that's like the most prosperous in history, but we're about the busiest. And Western culture is, is very busy. And so you think like, man, you think like you should be able to like relax a little bit more, but it just seems like things speed up more and more. And you know, we're, we're hurried, we're multitasking. And a lot of times, this, it's very related to our emotional health and our spiritual health. A lot of times, our, our, the depth of our relationship with God is very shallow because we're so hurried in life. We're just dealing with this and that and kind of striving and, and trying to deal with things. And so the depth of our relationship with God is, is not very deep. And we tend to be kind of living on fumes. We maybe try to live on other people's faith or kind of like secondhand faith, like, which can even be like, you know, listening to a message on Sunday or a podcast or reading a book. That's like, we do these spiritual activities, but it, it can not be the same as really getting into our soul and producing what God wants to produce in us. And we're going to talk today about an essential aspect of how to get there. And I, before we do that, I really want to pray because I really believe God is present with us today. He's wanting to do something in us and lead us into more. And I just invite you to pray with me and ask that God would do that. So let's, let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you are present. You are large and in charge. We don't have to be God today or ever. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to not only for, yes, today, would you quiet our souls and help us to find our rest in you? And also, Lord, would you lead us into a greater day-to-day experience of this? Lord, would you, I pray for each person here, that there would be something we hear from you that leads us into more of what you have for us. Something we get, something we understand and believe, can believe, and something we can act on that helps us. So, Lord, we trust you for that. pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, those of you who have been here this summer, we've been talking about being emotionally healthy people. We've heard from a lot of people about different aspects of that. We talked about our physical health. We talked about our need to kind of know ourselves and know what's going on internally. Um, we talked about uh, the gospel and how that's a foundation for everything. We've talked about the word of God that refreshes us. Today, we're talking about uh, an unexpected place for a lot of us, and it's what's called the Sabbath. This Sabbath concept. We're looking at a, a radical and ancient approach to time. And for those of you who are going to our community groups, which I highly encourage you to do, we're going to, we're based, a lot of our messages are from this emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy relationships books from Peter Scazzaro. And the chapter that we're looking at, it actually is, it talks about two things. It's, it's called the, it's Discovering the Rhythm of the Daily Office and the Sabbath. And the daily office, we're not gonna we're gonna talk about that more at our community groups, but not right here this morning. But that's the idea of having touch points with God throughout the day, where you just stop or still, listen, meditate on a little scripture, and connect with Him. And so that's really important. Um, but we're not gonna 
spend more time on that today because we'll do that during our community groups and also because we really want to take some time to focus on the Sabbath idea. And Sabbath is this, this pattern that God established from the very beginning of creation. We read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. So this is like almost as close to the beginning of the Bible as you can get. The story of creation. After God created everything in the world, in the universe, in six days. So just think about that. Uh, we, we, we can feel overwhelmed. or like, man, I have to get all this done or else it's not going to get done. But the whole universe God made in six days, and it's still expanding. That is, like, God wants us to put our trust in him and not in ourselves. And so, verse chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So we see that in the, the pattern of God, of how he goes about his activity, God himself rests. And that's what Sabbath is about. We're going to detail it more. But Sabbath means doing what God did. It's a rest. It's six days God created, and then on the seventh day, he rested. And so that's his activity. And also, it comes out of his character. That even though he's a God, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't need to rest, per se. It's like, like oh, I'm too worn out, man. But no, there's this, but it's part of his nature, that rest is a good thing. And so when he made us, he, we, he invites us into the same pattern. And we see this laid out in, in the Ten Commandments. So I'm just going to read through these. Exodus chapter 20. Um, starting, I'm just going to read through them all, and then the, the Sabbath is, is in, here in the middle. It says, God spoke all these words, Exodus chapter 20. Verse 1. Um, actually, we're just going to... No, oh, sorry. I'm not going to read him. I'm confusing Sagar there. With the, I'm just going to list them out here. So here are the Ten Commandments. First one is have no gods before God. Second is don't make or worship idols. The third is don't use God's name in vain. The fourth is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The fifth is honor your parents. That's what we're doing here on Father's Day. Sixth is don't commit murder. Seventh is don't commit adultery. Eight is do not steal. Nine is don't give false testimony. And ten is don't lie. Now, there's a lot of confusion about the Old Testament and the law. And Christians sometimes think, like, well, that's Old Testament. It's not relevant to us. But Jesus actually said that he's the fulfillment of the law. He didn't come to get rid of the law, but to fulfill it. And so the law of God is a reflection of his character. And it's also... God says, I'm giving you these laws to give you life. These, if you follow these laws, they will bring you life. But if you disobey them, they'll bring death. And so there's, um, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit of thoughtfulness and prayer to figure out how do we apply these in, in our life today in the New Covenant. But pretty much when we look at these laws, most of us would say, you know, those are all good things that we believe are true. Like, you should do these things, except there's one that seems less relevant. And it's the Sabbath. Is that, is that how you feel about it? I mean, it seems like all these seem like, oh, yeah, those are like universal, timeless, like we should do that. But, oh, the Sabbath, we kind of put that in a different category. But actually, this is just as much a part of God's pattern and what he leads us into 
as no gods before God and honor your father and mother and don't murder, don't commit adultery. This is an essential part of the life that God leads us into. Um, why, what is, what's the Sabbath? Well, why is that? I said because God's, life, God's ways, God's law, God's commandments bring life. There's a, we've got a um, couple of people here from China, and the Chinese, one of the Chinese characters for busy is uh, the, the picture of, uh, of a heart and murder. So it's killing the heart. That's what busyness is. And that's what busyness can be. Um, there's, it's very, this, this busyness that we find ourselves in can be so destructive. The Christian apologist and author C.S. Lewis it was one of his favorite topics, and he talked about, and he was kind of exaggerating to make a point, but he said, there are two, only two reasons people are busy. And you look at C.S. Lewis, like he was a very productive individual. Uh, he wrote scores of books, he was an English professor, one of the foremost English scholars of his day. He, his influence is still being felt in the world today. But he said there are only two reasons people are busy. One, because they're proud. Because they feel like, we feel like, I have to do it all. If I don't do it, it's not going to happen. And so it's, it can be a pride that leads to this, not just being busy, but a spirit of busyness. And the second reason is laziness. You're like, what? Laziness? That doesn't sound like busy equals laziness. We said, no, we're too lazy to stop and do the hard work of evaluating what am I really supposed to be doing? And to say no to things. And yes to the right things. And so this sort of mental, emotional laziness can lead to this being consumed with busyness. Now, I think, you know, being productive and doing a lot, that's not a bad thing. God worked for six days. He tells us to work for six days. That's, that's a healthy thing. But it's all, the, the spirit of it is what, what really matters. And when we look at the commandment um, in Exodus 20, verse 8, let's just, let's just read how God breaks it down here. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What's the Sabbath? The Sabbath is a 24-hour period of time with no work, no drudgery, and this idea of rest. Like, doesn't that actually sound great? Think about God, this God who we think of as this harsh taskmaster. He set up that every year there'd be seven-plus weeks of just taking a break from our work. 52 days. I mean, not only that, there actually, in the Old Testament law, there were about four more weeks of feast days that were just national holidays. Like, everything shuts down, and we're just, we're worshiping, we're celebrating, we're partying, we're, we're taking time off. And actually, not only that, but every seven years, they were commanded to take a year, a year off, where they didn't plant crops and didn't work and just trusted God to bring up the crops out of the ground. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah, I mean, I think we need to, like, think creatively about, man, how do we apply this into our lives today? Like, God, this is something very important because we, it's, 
God wants to do something in that space that reorients us and helps us to live our, our whole life from a place of rest. And so the Sabbath, a 24-hour period of time with no work, no drudgery. It's a day different from the other days, the other six days of the week. It's a day when we cease from our labor. We honor God by resting, worshiping, time with family, for friendships, for playing, for being renewed. So it's a day, and it's also an attitude. And really, the, the New Testament makes it clear in, in Hebrews 4 that really Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. That until we have a relationship with Jesus and turn from our sins and receive him as our Savior and trust him as our Lord, we can't really enter this Sabbath rest that God intends for us. And so it all comes down to the relationship with Jesus, as everything does. And so it's an attitude, but there is still this, this pattern of having a day in our week of Sabbath, that God wants to do so much in us to make us the people he desires for us to be, and we desire to be, really. Um, yeah. It's interesting about the, the Sabbath. The Jews had a hard time keeping the Sabbath. They, that sabbatical year, that was supposed to be every seven years, there's actually no biblical or historical evidence that the people of Israel ever did that. And because, why would that be? Well, someone tell me, why, why, why is it hard to, to follow this life-giving command? Yeah, no work, no income. Like, man, I'm, where am I, how am I going to live? How am I going to pay the bills? Like, that doesn't make much logical sense. And so what does it take? It takes faith in God. That, okay, God, you're going to provide for me. It's not based on my work, but it's based on you being a generous provider. Yeah. And the same thing is true for us. Like, a lot of times, we, like, it's hard to rest because we feel like, man, we're not going to have income. We're not going to make it. We're not going to pay the bills. All of that. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on why is, why is the Sabbath hard? Why is? No work, no worth. No work, no worth. Mm. Mm, <laughs> profound. <laughs> Eddie's son. That's <laughs> profound. That's good. Yeah, no work, no worth. So our identity and our value is so tied to our work. And that's very true in our society. And so if I don't work, I have no worth. I, by the grace of God, my, I grew up, really our family did a pretty good job of honoring the Sabbath. And in my adult life, we've been pretty diligent to do this. Um, we think for most people, Sunday is the natural day for the Sabbath. It's not important that it's a certain, um, you know, that's a time for worship. Um, but it can be other days. For me, with my job being a pastor, I take Monday as a Sabbath day in our family. Um, for that, or Reagan and I at least, it's kind of tricky when our kids are in school. We've got to kind of figure that out. Um, but it can be different things. Some people, like if you're, if you're a doctor or an emergency job, it may be a different 24-hour period. But... It's funny, I love the Sabbath, but there are days where it's really hard. There are times when you stop, and it's like, it doesn't feel all that life-giving. Ray and I talk about this all the time. Like, we spend, like, the first two-thirds of our day just kind of like, oh, I'm not feeling very good. Because all that, like, junk in our soul of, of getting our worth from our accomplishments or staying busy to not deal with what's really going on in our life, that stuff kind of comes to the surface. And there's a spiritual warfare going on. 
to deal with those things. So it's a good thing, but sometimes, sometimes it can be hard. Um, but it is a gift. And there are four principles of biblical Sabbath, of what the Sabbath looks like. And the first principle is stop. Stop. The word Shabbat in the Hebrew literally means to stop, to cease, and to rest. And so there's just this stopping. Um, getting still, like we've talked about. But just stopping all the, the activity that we normally do. So it's a putting the brakes on things. The second principle is it's rest. So it's a time of rest, of renewal, of not, not working, but resting. Um, the third principle is delight. The Sabbath is, Sabbath, I'm getting all Hebrew here. The Sabbath is intended to be a time of delight. And that's kind of cool. That God, that he's, God is a God of joy. God is a God of pleasure and delight. And so what a Sabbath looks like for you may be different than, it is going to be different than what it looks like for me. There are some things that may be drudgery for you that are life-giving for me. On most of my Sabbaths, I exercise. And, well, you may be like, that is, oh, man, no. Like, a hex on that, man, that would be, that would ruin my Sabbath. But I'm like, yeah, I, I don't kill myself, but I enjoy that. It's life-giving. My, my best days are when I go out to, like, the Kanza Trail or um, a couple of months a month or two ago, I went out to this place by Lake, uh, Tuttle Creek Lake, where nobody was around. I had like four hours to myself just sitting there. That was amazing. You may be like, well, no, I, I walked around, I did some hiking, and then sat there. You may be like, oh, I don't know. That doesn't sound too fun to me. I don't know, but there's a place of, it's what brings delight to you. For you, watching a movie may be a great thing, or it may not be a great thing, it's, but it's the principle that matters most. Um, this is good with when you have kids. It's like it shouldn't be a thing of like depriving them. And there's a frequently asked questions handout on your tables. That, How do you handle this with kids? It shouldn't be like, hey, kids, we're, it's the Sabbath today, so we're not going to do anything and be miserable. But no, it should be like adding fun things, not taking away, but adding. Maybe go to the pool or something that's a delight for your family. Play. It's interesting, well, the theologians had this word, especially in the Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox, or the Orthodox tradition, for the the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and for the interaction of the Trinity, they, there's this word called, it's Greek, periakosis, and it's the idea of the dance between the members of the Trinity. It's this playful, delightful dance between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's really what God is inviting us into, to live out of that dance. And so there's delight. And the fourth principle is contemplate. It's a time of being still, being quiet, and Praying, listening, thinking, and shutting off those distractions. You know, maybe a Sabbath from social media or television or and having time to contemplate and really, really commune with God. Okay, we're going to take a little uh, time for you to interact with this. So two questions, and they're in your, your handouts and on the screen. Um, what might you need to stop? That relates to your work, paid and unpaid. And then, fun part, what activities, places, and or people create rest and delight for you?
Okay, so let's just take like uh, two, three minutes and think about that, jot those down, and then if you have time, maybe share those with people at your table. All right. I'm curious. I wish I could hear all these conversations. I'm sure there were some fun things coming up on restful and delightful activities, plus things to stop. That's OK. I just want to ask. I was going to do this at the end, but I just want to ask right now, are there any, any questions any of you have? Like, I, I've got a little more I want to cover. Um, the, the heart of this, the spirit of this, but any questions about practically or, yeah, Eddie. Oh, thank you, Eddie's son. Yes. Okay. If you didn't hear that, Eddie said, so there's it's been, as he said, it's been said that there can be a continual rest in Christ versus a day of rest. And my answer is yes. Both. The, the goal of the Christian life is to be in a continual place of rest. Internally. That we are, it's been said, sitting down on the inside. That we're, on the inside, we're at a place of rest and peace and not having to do something to get our identity or our sense of value or, or we're working or moving out of fear, but that we're internally we're at a place of rest and a connection with God, communing with him. And that's, like I said earlier, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And the only way we can really experience this is through our relationship with God. And that's something that he, that our life is supposed to and he's leading us into to be 24-7 every day. So, yes. But also, I think the, the ancient pattern of a day of rest is designed to help us live in that place all seven days. And so, does that make sense? So there's something about the discipline or the action of having a 24-hour period that is designed to affect not only that day, but the other six days as well to help us live from that place all the time. And that's really what we're after. Does that make sense? Good, okay. Any other questions? Can I make a statement? Can I make a statement, yeah. Um, well, Yeah, that's cool. Yeah.
So good, yeah. I think that's true, and that's a really valuable part of the Sabbath, is to reflect on our lives, what's going on, and also to look ahead. I actually find on, on my Sabbath, I always find, and I think it's a divine thing, God like dropping, like I'm, I'm, it's a visionary time for the next week, and God, what do you want to do? And looking ahead, and as a family, we talk about those things, like, what's, okay, what's this week look like? And it's a really good time of, of not just being in the rat race, but getting above it all. Yeah, good. Elaine, yeah. He's any day of the Sabbath? Yeah. That's in, Paul says that. Yeah, I think it's in Galatians. It's in that frequently asked questions. But he says, for one man this day is sacred, for another man another. And... Yeah. Yes. I think that's one of the questions of how does the Old Testament like wash through the cross into the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, it was Saturday. And for the Jewish people still to this day, Saturday is the Sabbath. Um, that I think this is where you, the New Testament, you do take the spirit of the law and you apply it. And so I think this is a consensus. And in the, in the, the early church began meeting on Sunday because it was the day of the resurrection and calling that the Lord's Day. And so, as I mentioned earlier, I think Sunday, for the vast majority of people, that should be, like, that's the best Sabbath day. And it's, it's worked into worship and community and time off. Um, but I, and I think a lot of other people would say that that's not, you don't have to be legalistic about that, but take the principle of it and figure out how to best apply it to your calling and your life. And, you know, if you're a... a uh, uh, on call working with an ambulance or something you know Sunday that may not be a good we need people doing that and so it's good to have some flexibility I don't know (laughs) 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 yeah I mean the Bible the Bible says that we're held accountable for every idle word we speak anytime so Yeah, that is interesting that maybe something to be especially attuned to is our words also, like slowing down and listening more. I'll think about that. That's good. good. Those are good questions. Is there one more? All right. Let's, uh, well, I just want to talk about a little bit more here. The, you know, we need the Sabbath. Jesus got into a lot of trouble with the religious people because they were kind of legalistic about it. But he said this in Mark 2, 27 and 28. He said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is a gift for us. It's not for something for us to strive under or have this legalistic weight, but it's a gift that we need. And we see this, we're, it's woven into the fabric of creation. That if we don't rest, we break down. We can try, I know that on, the, on the, my Sabbath that I fudge, or I feel like, oh, this is a really, I, I, just, I, I, I don't really have a real Sabbath. That week, I am dull. I, 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 there's a difference. It's not that God can't overcome it, but there's a difference I can feel in my soul 
that week. I'm not as sharp. I'm less productive. It, it just it doesn't, it doesn't work. And the French Revolution, which was a, a revolution that wasn't, uh, the American Revolution in a lot of ways was, was principled and had a lot of biblical values in it. Um, not perfect at all, but the French Revolution was basically totally humanistic. And one of the things they did was they changed the work week from s- the week from seven days to ten days. They said, we don't need all that old tradition and religious stuff. Let's have a seven-day week, and then people will work more. And the experiment did not last very long because things fell apart. People were getting sick and depressed, and like, it just did not work. And so they quickly they went back to the seven days. There was actually, a, during the U.S. history, there was, during the Oregon Trail time, when people were taking wagons west to, to Oregon, there was a, a wagon tr- party, a, whatever you call it, a party of settlers in their wagons, and the winter was coming, and they were behind schedule. And they were trying to figure out, man, what do we do if we don't get through the pass before winter, like, we might all die here. And so... Half of the group decided, before that they'd been resting on Sundays, but at that point half the group decided, well, we're just going to keep traveling every day because this is a life and death situation. And the other group said, no, we're going to keep stopping and resting on Sundays. And you know what happened? The second group got to Oregon first because their animals were rested, they were refreshed, they actually were much more productive from taking that Sabbath day than those who didn't stop. And the same is so true for us. Um, it really is, has a lot to do with our mindset and our, the way we think about God and the way we think about time. A lot of times we have a wrong view about God and we think that he's a taskmaster, he's a driver, there's that voice of do more, do more, do more that we think is from God and it's not from him. It's from somewhere else. Uh, but the Sabbath helps us reorient and think of God as we see his goodness, his, his providence, his sovereignty. We can just realize, okay, it doesn't all depend on me. Like, it's not all up to me, but I'm, okay, no, God is the one I'm trusting with. And he's good. And so there's the point of coming to him and saying, God, you told me to rest. And so even though I don't feel like it, or I don't know how it's going to work out, or how I'll get everything done, I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of it. And just like all of God's commands to us, it takes faith, and when we trust him and obey him, he comes through, and we see his character more, and we're, we're benefited. We benefit from that. Um, so it changes our attitude towards God and also towards time. And there are two, like, the, the, the Greeks had two, in their mythology, two sort of gods that represented time. There are two words from that, the first word is Kronos. There was a god of Kronos. We've got Kronos, and this, this is a picture of him. Kind of looks like the, like the Grim Reaper. He's got this big Sith or something. So he's the grim, brutal, demanding god whose like, time is running out. It's scarce, and it's chasing you down, and you had better keep moving, or it's going to take you out. And there's that, that really, it's a spiritual entity that affects us to this very day, that we are at war against this, this mindset and this spiritual power that sees time that way. That in the Greek mythology, actually, Kronos actually ate all his own children. And that's what Kronos does. It eats us. 
it eats its, its children. Like, we come under that mindset, and it's just like, oh, you're just like, it devours us from the inside out. Um, it was funny, I was literally thinking about this yesterday, and how time can be a, a taskmaster, and kind of putting my notes together, and my cousin in Idaho texted me and my siblings this picture, and here it is. It's this, he saw this just yesterday on the, on the highway in Idaho, or the street in Idaho, to all employees, new incentive plan, work or get fired. <laughs> and that's the, that's the God of Kronos right there. I mean, just the spirit of that. Just like, you got to keep going or we're going to, like, you're going to get fired. But a lot of times we live under that. That's how we view time, that it's a scarce, limited resource that we just have to, like, just try to, to use it before it's gone. But the other word for time is kairos. And this is a biblical understanding of time. The word, the word kairos means it's, it's opportune time or the proper time. We hear this phrase in the Bible, it says, in the fullness of time. It's a time that's, that's, um, that God is in. It's the idea of it's time that's pregnant with purpose. It's not running out, but God's presence is in the middle of it. And so the key is not to run harder, but to get in touch with God and what he's wanting to do in birthing something, something grace-filled in our lives. Um, in, in Mark 1.15, when Jesus began his ministry, he said this, he said, the time, and that word time was, is kairos. The kairos is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand. That's how God sees time. And that's the time we live in. The time is fulfilled. The kairos is here. We're living in this kairos moment where God's spirit is, is here. And not just here, but in every day. It's, time is pregnant with purpose and creativity and things God is ready to birth if we'll just get in touch with him. In the, the Eastern, and, um, Eastern Catholic and Orthodox liturgy, there's a part of their, their worship where one of the worship leaders says to the priest, this, this quoting scripture, they say, it is time for the Lord to act. And that's the sense of Kairos. Like, okay, this is right now, it is time for the Lord to act. And really putting the emphasis on him acting, not on, not on us acting. So God wants to bring us into that. Um... I just love this. So I think like, that's what God wants us to bring in every day, like Cairo's time. But to get there, there's spiritual warfare. We come against the powers and the principalities and the mindsets that try to take that out. In, in Deuteronomy 5.15, Moses is telling the, the Israelites the law of God. He's talking about the Sabbath. Here he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, okay, so he's saying you were slaves God rescued you from slavery. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This connection with coming out of slavery and living in the Sabbath. When we live Sabbath, when we honor the Sabbath, when we observe the Sabbath, we are engaging in spiritual warfare against that old slave mentality. You know, the Israelites, they had to work 365 days a year. There was no break. All they were, their identity was as producers. 
They were workers. And if they didn't produce more, the Pharaoh said, work harder. Getting rid of the straw. Make more bricks. That's the, that's the slave mentality that they had, were coming out of. And God was saying, no, you've got to get out of that mentality. That's not who you are. You're my children. You're my sons and daughters. You're not just producers. You're human beings, not just human doings. And you need to live, honor the Sabbath, observe the Sabbath so that you can experience the Sabbath fully. And the same is true for us. Um, so it's a good thing. And there is spiritual warfare involved, but it's coming out of that slavery and living more fully in what God has for us. So... Practical guidelines, I mentioned this before, it should fit your personality. Um, it's different for different people. You may need time to prepare. You probably will need time for the Sabbath. The Jews had a day of preparation, which was a whole day before the Sabbath, where they did their cooking and their housework and got things ready so that they could have a real Sabbath. And it, it, it's good to take at least a couple hours or some time leading up to clearing your plate to some degree, not feel like you have to get everything done. Because you're not going to get everything done. You're going to have to stop and trust God. But getting in a good place that you can have a good Sabbath. And then uh, personally applying that to your life. All right. One last question. Um, or a couple last questions. The last, we're going to take like five minutes here. And, or maybe, let's, yeah, about four or five minutes. What is one small step you can take to begin to include Sabbath or expand Sabbath as a spiritual formation practice in your life? So think about that. Just take a minute, write that down. Um, and then also, if you want to take, if you have time to look at the frequently asked questions handout on your table, those are really cool. Um, has some good relevant questions you can look at, talk about too. And then we're going to go out with one more song of praise and worship too. So let's do this quick. Um, but I think it would be good. Actually, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. What do you guys think? Maybe not sing. I, just, I think it'd be better to have time to actually discuss at your tables. So let's just take four or five minutes, talk about this at your table, and then Eddie's going to come up and send us out. All right. <laughs>